Welcome to Respiratory HQ's Journey to Success podcast, the podcast specifically for RT students, providing insight and guidance to help you transition through RT school successfully. I'm Tanya Peel. It's great to start out this week with you, and today we are going to talk about how to pace yourself. So for those of you that don't know me, if you were to ask me to list my top three priorities in life, my health is going to be right up there in the top three. Um, I, I, I try to live a very healthy lifestyle. I eat right. I believe in exercise. I try to get plenty of sleep. You know, all that stuff that's that's good for us. And Throughout the years, I've done a lot of different things as far as workouts and exercise. And one of the things that I was into for a very long time was running. Um, Started out with little 5K um, races, moving into 10Ks, and then eventually into half marathons. And one of the things when I transitioned into running half marathons, I realized pretty quickly there is a certain mindset that goes with this that has to do with the pace of the run. Um, I've learned out pretty quickly when I first started running that what I was trying to do was start out as at a pace that was way too fast for my endurance level. And I had to start out the half marathons slower. So you can't really approach a half marathon or a marathon with this sprinter's mindset because if you do what's going to probably happen is you're going to burn out in that first quarter or half mile you cannot start out right off of the starting blocks running as hard and as fast as you can and I think this mentality can be applied to long range goals for URT students that's respiratory therapy school if you start out that long range goal starting school working through school with a sprinter mindset Here's what's going to happen to you. And it'll probably happen within the first three or four months. You're going to find yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. And that's a really bad thing for your own physical health, right? But another thing that if you step back and look at, you're going to realize that certain relationships that are important to you have suffered. So when we start out a long-range goal, putting everything, 100% of, of our efforts to just that goal, we leave behind and don't give attention to the relationships that are important to us. And so things that you you hold value in your relationship with your your spouse or your family or your spirituality you're going to find that those relationships suffer and that makes you have less joy in your life so there is a way to work through RT school successfully and not suffer from absolute exhaustion and maintain those relationships and that's learning to pace yourself. So I am going to use PACE as an acronym. And when I first started working on the notes for this podcast, I thought, well, okay, I'll come up with this acronym. It'll probably be about 20 minutes. We'll work through all the things. And then as I started setting down and thinking about each each part of pacing yourself, there's a lot of good information that we need to kind of talk about and for you to think about as you go through RT school. So I'm going to, I'm going to 
um, kind of drip this out over several weeks of podcasts. So today we're going to talk about the P and PACE, which is preparation. Next week, we're going to talk about assessment, because in a long range go- goal, there's several times you need to stop and assess the situation. The week after, we'll talk about commitment. That's a term we throw around loosely that I don't think we really sit and think about what it means and what type of actions we need to put in place to stay committed to something long term. And the last week we're going to talk about energy. And that probably out of all four lectures or all four discussions is going to be the most important. How to maintain energy through your one, two, three-year RT program because you have to maintain enough energy to make it through semester to semester to semester. Before we get into the discussion about preparation, I'd like to ask you to do something for me. I'd like you to take something called the Myers-Briggs Indicator Test. Um, You can find a free version of it on the website truity.com. That's T-R-U-I-T-Y dot com. And just click on the link for Type Finders. And the reason I asked you to do this, um, when I entered grad school, this was actually the very first assignment that they gave us in grad school. And basically, it is an assessment that determines your personality type. And I cringe when I say this because this is not a Facebook personality test. This is not like answer these questions and we'll tell you which Disney princess you are. It's not that. It is a science-based approach that they there is a an assessment that will take you probably 10 or 15 minutes. But it will tell you if you don't already know your your kind of like your learning style, and 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 I tie this into learning. It will kind of tell you: Are you a more of an outwardly focused person or an inwardly focused person? For me, I'm an inward focused person. I prefer when I learn, I need to think about things in my mind. I don't do very well in large groups. I don't like to really work out ideas with other people. I like to do them internally. It also tells you how you prefer to take in information. Uh, for me, I, I like to, to see the big picture to see how my portion of what I'm doing fits into the 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 bigger process. It'll also tell you how you prefer to make decisions. Are you somebody that um, needs a step-by-step plan? Are you somebody that that deals with things more through an empathetic type process? And then how do you live your outer life? Like for me, I prefer to have a very detailed step-by-step instruction. I like to make plans where some people prefer to be flexible. They like to improvise as they go along. They're more spontaneous. And I think when you kind of have your personality type and have done some research into that, that's going to help you in many situations, group type exercises in RT school, um, study groups, study skills. I think you'll have a firmer grasp on how you learn and process information. And I think this is going to be really valuable. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to approach the, the PACE acronym through my personality type. By the way, I'm an INTJ. I'm a very introverted person. I like to see the big pictures. I like to make decisions um, very 
impersonal, very logical, and I always have a plan for everything. And so while I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in any other personality type, because I, I definitely am not, as we go through these acronyms, if you've done a little research into your personality type, you will start seeing how you can work within in this PACE process in a manner that's best suited for your personality type. Okay, so I am, my personality type is an INTJ. And so the funny thing about me being an introverted person is many of my friends um, and family members, they are extroverted people. And several of these extroverted people are also people that like to leave their options open. They are more um, spontaneous personality types. And the funny thing about a person that's extroverted and they're spontaneous, they're always trying to get us introverted people doing spontaneous things. And I am a big planner, right? I am, I am not a spontaneous person. So the last time that I allowed some of my family members that are very spontaneous to talk me into rolling without a plan, my husband and I went to, took a vacation. We went to Boston. We were going to leave Boston, drive up the coast of Maine, stay in a bed and breakfast in Maine, and then afterwards travel to Vermont and do a drive where we saw all of the cool um, covered bridges. And so I am a planner, right? So I, um, I planned this whole thing. I, we got, I got us to Boston. I had figured out the transit system, how the buses tied into the subways, knew how to get on and off, knew how to get to all of our stops, planned where we were going to stay, planned how to pick up a rental car, drive to Maine, knew where we were staying in Maine. I mean, I had this planned out. We planned out when we were going to Acadia National Park. The only thing I didn't plan because I was going to be intentionally spontaneous. I did not plan the day that we drove to Vermont. We were going to wing it, right? We didn't, we were driving to Vermont. We were going to drive through the covered bridges, stop, take pictures wherever we wanted to, and just find a hotel to spend the night before we left the next day, went to the airport. So we get up that morning, don't even have a plan of when to leave. We drive to Vermont. Um, we spend the day taking pictures and everything. We get done at the end of the day. My husband and I are both exhausted and we're just winging it, right? So we're, we go to try to find a hotel. I opened up my cell phone. No cell service. We were in the these back roads in Vermont and not able to get a signal. So first problem with not planning is those things happen. So then we have to drive to where we had a cell phone signal that we could finally look up where the closest chain hotel was, which was 150 miles away from where we were. All right, so we think, okay, well, this place is filled with bed and breakfasts. We'll just find a bed and breakfast and we'll stay there the night. That sounds fine. You know, we're, we're winging it. Yep, all of the local bed and breakfast places had booked rooms. They were completely booked up because, you know, you have to plan to go to places like this and book a bed and breakfast. So at the end of the day, we've done this not planning routine, you know, intentionally. And at the end of the day, I was so aggravated and irritated because I was just ready to be done with the day and go to my hotel room, shower and put on my PJs. It didn't work out that way because I didn't plan. 
Okay. I tell you this story for two reasons. Number one, once you know what type of personality you are, stay true to that. You'll have a lot less stress in your life if you just stay true to who you are. But the second reason I tell you that is because I am a planner. And if planning is not your forte, let me help you come up with a plan before you enter respiratory school. Okay, so the first step in pacing yourself is the P, and P stands for preparation. While you have the energy, you're all excited now because you've just gotten into respiratory school, you've got all of this energy, this is the prime time to come up with a plan for your semester. Okay, so if I ask you right now, this fall semester that you're about to roll into, if I ask you when are you going to study, do you have an answer for me? Those of you that are planners, you can probably say, yeah, you know, I put the kids to bed at 8. I'm going to go to bed at 10. So between 8 and 10 every day, that's when I'm going to study. If so, you're a fellow planner. I love you if we're doing that. If you're not, and if you're just saying, well, I'm going to study whenever I have time, I'm going to give you a tool that's going to help you plan your schedule. So if you go over to my website, respiratoryhq.com, and you go to the link for the HQ toolbox, in that toolbox, I'm going to have a little video and a, a sheet called A Week at a Glance. That's the title of the sheet I have, Week at a Glance. It's not very original, but that's exactly what it is. It is the entire week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for you to fill in your schedule. So hopefully by now, you've gotten your fall schedule from your instructors. What I'd like you to do is use this week at a glance sheet and put your fall schedule on the calendar weekly, which, what times you're going to be in what classes. The second thing I want you to do after you've put your school schedule on that planner is I want you to block out times that you're going to sleep. Sleep is so important and studies show that the average person needs six to eight hours a night to function long term. Okay, so I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what's best for you. I can tell you I love eight hours of sleep. I do my best when I can get close to eight hours of sleep. But I want you to block out a six-hour sleep window at least every day. If you know you need more, block out eight. Put your sleep schedule on there. The third thing I want you to put on there is any life obligations. I don't know what this means for you. For some of you, that may be that you're you're working with school so put your work schedule on that calendar. Block out the times you go to work. Um, if you don't work, uh, maybe you have family obligations. Maybe the kids need to be picked up at daycare every day at 3. So block out that time for your family. Maybe one of the things that you feel like you need to do or that you want to do for your family is that you're cooking dinner every night for your family so you all sit down and have a, a meal together. That's great. Block that time out. Block out your weekends. If you go to church on Sunday morning and, you know, 8 to 12 is is where you have your, your spiritual time, block that out. Those things that are important to you, put that on your schedule. The next thing I want you to block out is time for yourself. 
And I'm not going to tell you how much time that is, but I firmly believe that you need to try every week. Well, I really believe every day, but if you can't make every day happen, at least once a week, try to capture some time that you can do something completely for yourself. That's If that's working out, put that there. If it's reading a book, put that there. If it's going for a hike, put that in there. Try to block out a little bit of time dedicated completely for you. This will help you stay balanced. This will help you stay grounded and stay sane. All right. So now once you have all of that stuff on your schedule, I want you to take a step back and see where you have pockets of time. All right. Where you have 30 minutes, an hour, maybe two hours. I want you to look at that. That's your study time. And most people, when they put all of life on this schedule, they start realizing they don't have as much time as what they thought they would to study. Okay? So you have to be intentional with the time you study. You have to be very aware of time constraints. You're going to go through school. There may be days that you get out of school an hour early. You get out of lab and have two extra hours because lab is done early. Those are great opportunities. Those are great windows of time to study, to maybe study in a group if that's what you do. But what I want you to do is look at that schedule And kind of see, start planning on how you're going to find a rhythm for the semester. A rhythm between school, personal life, and finding time to study. The second part of preparation would be that I'm going to ask you to start thinking about how you're going to organize all of your content. For example, with the new students that we have that are about to start their fall semester, they have three traditional lecture lab classes and one clinical class. So they are going to end up having content for four classes. So you're going to have to figure out how you're going to organize and store that content. Number one, are you a person that likes paper? Do you like to touch? Do you need that sensation of having paper that you write on that paper? Or are you electronic? Okay, you need to decide that first. How are you going to deal with the information? Are you going to deal paper-based? Are you going to be an electronic-based format? If you are a person that that you're working with the paper and the printouts and hard copies of things, I'm going to tell you to start probably coming up with a system that works for you. What I see most students do is have a folder for each specific class. So they may have a three ring binder. In that three ring binder, they have it labeled for what class it is. Um, my, my students typically refer to our classes as Tanya's class or Crystal's class or Samantha's class. You know, they, they tend to associate the class by instructor. Whatever works for you. Maybe you color code those. Your, your intro class may be a blue folder and your AMP class may be a red folder. Whatever works for you, start getting that organized. So that way, when lecture happens and you are in, I don't know, your patient assessment class, whatever that class is called, all of that information from your notes that you take, maybe notes that your instructors give you, if you're printing all that stuff out, it goes in that particular 
binder. That way, when you're studying for your first patient assessment class, you know exactly where you go for that content. So um, a lot of students that, that in, of my students that are dealing with paper, they like to put each class in its own separate folder. What I will tell you is people that don't have a strategy, if, um, if they're, they're doing poorly on exams I, and I have them come in my office and I say, okay, tell me, sh bring everything you, you have used for studying. A lot of people have one binder that have all these pieces and papers and stuff falling out of them. Notes are written here, notes are written there. And what I have noticed is people that cannot lay their hands on their content in a very organized manner or an accessible manner tend to do worse than those that come in a little more organized up front. If you are going to try to be electronic with all of your files, I think that that's great too. Um, one of the things that I would tell you is I would make a folder then for each class, just like the people that are dealing with paper have an individual folder of three ring binder for every class, have your digital folder, have a, a folder for whichever classes you're dealing with and all that content, pull your electronic documents into that folder so it's readily accessible. Um, so roll in with a plan. I don't know what that is for you, but I am saying before school starts, think of how you are going to manage all the information you're presented with, because your first week of school is probably going to be a little bit overwhelming. Um, we, we start lecturing right off the bat. So there's lots of content. We start onboarding our students in a hospital setting, and there's a lot of paperwork with that. And if you already have a system in which to manage that paperwork going in, you are one step ahead of the game. If you roll into that first week of class not having thought of how to organize all this content, you're trying to figure out a system to operate in while you're just getting tons of information. So think about how to organize your classes before you start. And the last thing I want to talk just a little bit about um, as far as preparation, I'd like you to make a list of the relationships in your life right now. I don't want you to prioritize them. I just want you to spend just a little bit of time of writing down the important relationships in your life because we're, I swear we're going to start next week when we start talking about assessments. We're going to start assessing relationships in your life. So just a quick recap of today, we are learning how to pace yourself. We're pacing yourself with preparation, assessment, commitment, and energy. And so what I'd like for you to work on before next week's episode is taking that Myers-Briggs personality assessment, getting your week at a glance looked at, putting your, putting your, your school schedule and your life schedule on my week at a glance tool so you can figure out when you're going to study. Think about organizing your course content so that when you start your fall semester, you already have a plan for your content and make a list of all of your relationships. And we will talk about assessment next week. So until then, start working on getting prepared because guys, you are going to do great things. It's been a wonderful opportunity to talk to you today and looking so forward to next week. So I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.